Topic 26, First Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. Topic 26, First Paper of twentieth-century negro literature by professor george washington carver the negro as farmer a few years ago there was graduated at the iowa agricultural college a young colored man of unusual promise his name was george washington carver and his specialty the care and production of plants not long after graduation he was engaged by booker t washington as a teacher and assistant in his famous industrial school and today the young man is mr washington's most trusted adviser while his reputation has gone abroad as a scientist and an original investigator of no mean order born during the period of the civil war he was separated from his parents when but six weeks old they having been sold to some distant slaveholders the infant was puny and ailing and his master regarded him as worthless a family named carver took the babe and his brother a little older it was with them the child had a home for nine years about that time the little black boy developed a remarkable love for plants and so much knowledge of their structure and life that he was given the name of the plant doctor mr and mrs carver were proud of the boy's talents and made much of him it was their evident satisfaction in him that aroused the jealousy of their own children who at last drove the new colored boys away from home northward they turned their faces to the land where white and black have equal chances in life as they fondly believed the little plant doctor who had picked up the elements of an education wanted above all else to enter some good school the boys were driven from pillar to post but being devotedly attached to each other they held together until in kansas they thought best to separate during these years young carver had tried many kinds of work at length he found himself at winterset iowa it was there the wife of a physician encouraged him to go to indianola where she thought he could enter college and earn his way to doing laundry work he went there but didn't get any work and it was while there that a young lady a well-known iowa artist became interested in him under the pretext of securing his help in correcting some drawings she went to
to the mean quarters he occupied and found him starving to death there was no work for him no money for weeks he had subsisted on cornbread and tallow she then arranged for him to go to the iowa agricultural college where she had influential friends and where she believed he would have a chance but even at the agricultural college of iowa the color line was sharply drawn by the students persecution and ill-treatment were resorted to but young carver said i will bear it i must get an education here i can get work and i will suffer anything rather than give up the one chance of my life to obtain a schooling his old and intimate knowledge of plants stood him in hand and he was given charge of the greenhouses true he was shunned by many his place at table was with the servants but he had warm friends and he was by force of character winning the goodwill of all one day an indian ola lady who had come to know him before he left that place went to visit him at his college dressed in her best she accompanied him though against his protestation to dinner taking a seat at the servants table the next time this lady visited the college the colored student sat at the table with the faculty in the military drill he had taken the highest honors when he was graduated it was with distinction he wrote the class poem he had succeeded in winning and holding friends some time ago he spent several weeks in washington d c and there the most kindly attention was extended to him by secretary wilson who never fails to recognize merit wherever he may find it the name of george washington carver is now enrolled on the fellowship list of more than one scientific institution the above subject is by no means an easy one to discuss as reliable data are fragmentary and widely scattered yet i am sure that i have been able to collect some interesting and valuable facts and figures bearing upon this important question there is no doubt that the negro as a tenant farmer is a failure this we are forced to admit but we do so with a justly proud feeling that it is not an inherent race characteristic but the result of conditions over which we have little or no control failure is inevitably and indelibly stamped in the foreheads of any class of average tenant farmers regardless of race or color in american agriculture the negro has always held and is yet holding an important place in fact far more as a rule than has been accredited to him lest our judgment be too harsh in this particular i have thought it wise 
to briefly scan the beginning and development of agriculture in the United States. In 1492, the first settlers found the Indians carrying on agriculture in a crude and limited way by the women, their farm machinery consisting of their fingers, the pointed stick for planting, and the bones of animals, and the shell of the clam for a hole, with nothing more than a squatter's right as a voucher for the ownership of their farms. Professor McMaster's History of the People of the United States, George K. Holmes, Assistant Statistician of the United States Department of Agriculture, in his Progress of Agriculture in the United States, and other high authorities, tell us that the white man came, poor in materials of wealth, a stranger in a strange land, with a strange climate. His tools were but little, if any, improvement on those of the Indians, and agriculture as we know it today was an idealistic dream. The plow was an exceedingly crude thing, and but little used, the hoe forming the principal implement of industry. After a piece of land had been continuously cropped until worn out, it was abandoned, or the cows turned upon it for a while. It is further said that the poor whites, who had formerly been indentured servants, were the most lazy, the most idle, the most shiftless, and the most worthless of men. Their huts were scarcely better than negro cabins. The chimneys were of logs, the chinks being filled with clay. The walls had no plaster, the windows had no glass, and the furniture was such as they themselves made. The grain was threshed by driving horses over it in the open field. When they ground it, they used a rude pestle and mortar, or placed it in the hollow of one stone and beat it with another. Beef or pork, generally salted, salt fish, dried apples, bread made of rye or Indian meal, milk, and a very limited variety of vegetables constituted the food throughout the year. When night came on, his light was derived from a few candles of home manufacture. The farmer and his family were homespun. If linen was wanted, the flax was sown and weeded, pulled and retted, then broken and swingled, for all of which processes nearly a year was required before the flax was ready for the spinners, bleaching on the grass and making and wearing. If woolens were wanted, sheep were sheared and the wool was dyed and spun and woven at home. It was almost invariably true of all the settlers that the use and value of manures was little regarded. The barn was sometimes removed to get it out of the way 
of heaps of manure because the owner would not go to the expense of removing the accumulations and putting them upon his fields such were the dreary conditions of the farmer's life in colonial days living all the time very closely upon the margin of subsistence those conditions continued for some time after the republic had been established and were not measurably ameliorated until the present century had well advanced until an improved intelligence the dissemination of information and the work of the inventor had begun to take effect from the above we see how strikingly similar were the life methods of agriculture and the results obtained from the sturdy new englander who represented the best blood bone and sinew of the old world with its almost prehistoric civilization to that of the american negro whose intellectual star is just beginning to rise above the horizon over two centuries and a half ago the negro found his way as a slave to america in a little dutch trading vessel cheap labor being the chief motive which prompted such a gigantic scheme the experiment flourished and grew and at about the close of the eighteenth century six million slaves had been brought to this country a major part of all the cotton corn cane potatoes tobacco and other agricultural products were planted cultivated harvested and prepared for and not infrequently marketed by the slaves in fact they were the agricultural backbone of the south since cotton forms the largest and has been the most important agricultural product in the south i think a hundred and nine years of its production will prove interesting and valuable in seventeen ninety one eight thousand eight hundred and eighty nine bales were produced and the second cotton mill built at providence rose island the first one being built at beverly massachusetts in seventeen eighty seven from this time on the acreage planted the output and the number of cotton mills and spindles increased the estimated area planted in cotton alone in eighteen fifty two six million three hundred thousand acres and the census report of eighteen sixty showed one thousand two hundred and sixty two cotton mills and five million two hundred and thirty five thousand seven hundred and twenty seven spindles in the united states with an output of four million eight hundred and sixty one thousand two hundred and ninety two bales despite the depressing effect of the four years of civil strife it took only five years to almost completely regain the highest point reached in 
previous years in eighteen eighty nine and eighteen ninety we find in the united states nineteen million five hundred and sixty nine thousand acres planted giving an output of seven million three hundred and eleven thousand three hundred and twenty two bales with nine hundred and five cotton mills operating fourteen million eighty eight thousand one hundred and three spindles in eighteen ninety eight ninety nine the acreage increases to nearly twenty five million with an output of eleven million one hundred and eighty nine thousand two hundred and five bales representing a money value of three hundred and five million four hundred and sixty seven thousand forty one dollars such is the history production and growth of the cotton industry in the united states and were we to trace the other staple products we would find them none the less interesting since they were produced largely by negroes as slaves before the war and as freedmen after the war this applies especially to southern products whatever of truth there is in mr vandycraft's grave apprehensions for the negro he with us must admit that the ills of the black tenant farmer are simply the ills of the southern farmer in a more or less aggravated form it is also true that the curse of such a system falls the heaviest on the smallest and most ignorant tenant farmer who is the least capable of self-defense for years we have been content to let the preachers preach the lawyers argue the philosophers predict the teachers and the doctors practice with scarcely a question as to our priority of right we have in the face of the many oppositions which come to every race similarly situated labored with endurance patience and forbearance until the birth of the twentieth century dawns upon us steadily marching on with something over two hundred and sixty three million dollars worth of unencumbered property to our credit now as to the number owning farms and following agricultural pursuits as a livelihood we are pleased to submit some figures from the last census report from cardman in his progress of a race and from other authorities beginning with the little district of columbia with an aggregate area of eight thousand four hundred eighty nine acres and two hundred and sixty nine farms there are seventeen negro farmers five of which own their land in whole or in part their farms contain twenty nine acres of which twenty five are improved the total value of the land is twenty three thousand three hundred dollars and the appurtenant buildings are worth 
$390. Livestock is valued at $489. The farm incomes for 1899 amounted to $4,244. Ten farms aggregating 258 acres are operated by Negroes as cash tenants. The reported values are land, $114,600, buildings, $9,200, implements and machinery, $1,200, and livestock, $1,383. The total incomes for these farms in 1899 were $10,300. Two farms together consisting of 21 acres valued at $149,630 are operated by Negroes as salaried managers. Of the 17 firms operated by Negroes, only one contains less than three acres. Seven contain from three to nine acres, five from 10 to 19 acres, two from 20 to 49 acres, and two from 50 to 99 acres, giving an average size for all of 18.1 acres. In the state of Delaware, the farms constitute 85% of the total land surface of the state, which is divided up into 9,687 farms, of which 8,869 or 91.6% are operated by white, and 818, or 8.4%, by Negroes. Of the latter class, 297 are operated by owners, and 35 by part owners. The value of their farms, including implements, machinery, and livestock, together with the value of implements, machinery, and livestock on the farms, which other Negroes operate as tenants, is $495,187. In Arizona, we find that three Negro farmers operate their farms as salaried managers. Twelve own farms containing 1,511 acres, with farm property valued at $60,422. One leases a 39-acre farm for cash and has implements and livestock worth $130. The total investment by Negroes in agriculture, exclusive of farms owned by them and leased to others, is therefore $60,552, which is a rather encouraging showing for Arizona. Messrs. Walker and Fitch, graduates of Hampton Institute in 1896, made a careful canvas of one congressional district in Virginia and found as follows. Out of a total acreage 
of one million nine hundred and forty four thousand three hundred and fifty nine acres one fifteenth or a hundred and twenty five thousand five hundred and ninety seven acres is owned by the colored people roughly estimated at one million dollars these figures mean farm owning chiefly as seventy nine thousand six hundred and eleven dollars represent the total city property they also report that in gloucester county twenty-five years from the above date the colored people owned less than one hundred acres of land today they own thirteen thousand acres of land free from any encumbrance mr fitch further adds that he has traveled quite thoroughly through more than ten counties in virginia with horse and buggy during the present year eighteen ninety six and that in no county through which he traveled did the colored people own less than five thousand acres of land he found also that much of the improved farming was being done by colored men and that the strong public sentiment against moving to cities was having the desired effect again the statistician reports in eighteen ninety twelve million six hundred and ninety thousand one hundred and fifty two homes and farms in the united states and of this number the negroes own two hundred and thirty four thousand seven hundred and forty seven free from all encumbrance and twenty nine thousand five hundred and forty one mortgaged giving the percentage of mortgaged property owned by negroes as ten point seven one while the whole country percentage of mortgaged property for the whole country is thirty nine point nine seven it is further stated that of all the property held by negroes eighty eight point five eight per cent is owned without encumbrance since so much has been accomplished in the negroes pioneer days of freedom we may not predict with a considerable degree of assurance that the next decade and a half will far exceed our most sanguine hope the virgin fertility of our soils and the vast amount of cheap and unskilled labor have been a curse rather than a blessing to agriculture this exhaustive system of cultivation the destruction of forests the rapid and almost constant decomposition of organic matter together with the great multiplicity of insect and fungus diseases that appear every year make the southern agricultural problem one requiring more brains than that of the north east or west the advance of civilization has brought and is constantly bringing about a more healthy form of competition the markets are becoming more fastidious and he who puts such a product upon the market as it demands controls that market regardless of color it is simply a survival of the fittest 
we are also aware that the demands upon agriculture were never so exacting as they are now all other trades and professions are holding out their inducements to the young men and women who are ready and willing to grapple with life's responsibilities one says come and i will make you a gould another a rockefeller still another an aster with all the luxuries their names suggest to many of our own farmers illy prepare their land cultivate harvest and market the scanty and inferior crop selling the same for less than it cost to produce it i need not tell you that the above conditions imperatively suggest the provincial mule implements more or less primitive is frequently a vast territory of barren and furrowed hillsides and wasted valleys instead of the veritable klondike of which their dreams are made sweet another mortgage has been added as an unpleasant reminder of the year's hard labor with this inevitable doom staring them in the face is it any wonder that so many of the youth of our land flock to the cities with the hope of seeking some occupation other than farming the above conditions together with the seemingly higher civilization of the city folk i claim are largely responsible for this but be this as it may in the light of what has been accomplished i see for us the very bright star of hope in the education of two-thirds of the brightest and best of our youth in scientific agriculture the many excellent schools colleges nature study leaflets farmers bulletins and reading courses conferences convocations congresses fairs and the like are all powerful educational factors designed to lead the race into higher agricultural activities the agricultural schools and higher institutions of that character are wisely laying much stress upon stock raising dairying horticulture landscape gardening poultry raising and every manipulation incident to the successful operation of this great industry these subjects have been taught almost wholly to young men but recent experience has taught not only in this but in other countries that many of these studies seem especially suited to women and many are taking the advantages offered by schools in the matter of learning the technique of poultry raising dairying horticulture landscape gardening and the related sciences along with their academy or college work and as a reward are finding pleasant profitable and healthful employment nature study with the first principles of agriculture is compulsory in many of the primary schools and ere 
another decade is indelibly placed upon the historical records of the greatest events of the greatest century it will find us wonderfully in advance in this particular every year we see a perceptible increase in the funds for public education and magnificent schools and colleges with better paid professors springing up here and there stand out as beacon lights to this new and wonderful epoch the wisdom and spending these ever-increasing millions upon the youth of our land becomes from year to year a matter of less concern as we seek to give our boys and girls a broader education than that of a pure scientist it is very encouraging to note the course taken by our young men and women who have gone out from these institutions the way they have acquired land built homes and are devoting their entire time and talent in that direction i have no fears but what we in the course of time will do our part both nobly and well in the matter of feeding a hungry world end of topic twenty six first paper